So tonight, um, we're on our second message that we've that we started last Wednesday on the title is God is absolutely right. And um, I want you to get a picture of something. I, I don't I wish I'd have had this thought before I was standing there in worship because I'd have got some other stuff. But uh, Josh, come stand up here real quick. So envision Josh with a with a policeman's cap. And uh, got a got a forty five on his side, and you know, big old stick and everything. Okay, just envision Josh like that. Okay, and so so face me and just stand stand right there. And so uh, I'm I'm driving along, and uh, Josh is standing in the middle of the street. So I'm driving my car, and I'm in the middle of the street, and Josh is directing traffic, and he puts his hand out like this. Okay, what, what are you going to do when you see that uniform and he tells you to stop? What are you going to do? You are? Right, okay. So let's just say that we pulled somebody that was born in the woods somewhere, you know, and uh, they'd never seen civilization, and you throw them behind a wheel, and all of a sudden... They come up and Josh puts his hand up. What could they think? He's waving. Hey! Boom! And he just, just plow right over him. You know, just run right over him because they, they thought he was waving and they, they, were, they were focused on the fact that Josh was waving at him and didn't think that they were supposed to stop. Why? Because they didn't understand. Thank you. And I want you to just keep that picture in your mind as we teach this series that God is absolutely right, okay? So, at least in the state of Texas, in Kerrville, Texas, you know if you see a policeman and he has his hand out like this, that means you're supposed to stop, right? And he has all the authority and all the right to stop you, whether you like it or not. You could be in a hurry, and you plow over the guy, and you're in the pen, Right? I mean, they will arrest you for manslaughter or whatever the, the, you know, the, the situation would be, whatever you would be accused of. And it doesn't matter whether you meant to or not, that's what's right, and so you honor that. Well, God is absolutely right, okay? He's right. He's, he's the policeman a million times over. He's right and has the dominion and the authority to do and he's already done everything. And everything that he's done and accomplished is right. Amen? And we read a scripture last week out of Matthew chapter 6 in the Amplified. And this verse says, it's a very popular verse. We read it a lot around here. But it says in the Amplified, But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, His kingdom and His righteousness. And in parentheses it says, His way of doing and being right. He's absolutely right. And you and I have to understand that righteousness. We have to understand what it's about. And and the more that you understand who that you are 
in that righteousness, it's not only be, you're not only better off as a result of it, but you become profitable as a result of it. Not only do you become profitable, but everybody around you becomes profitable. You become a human magnet. And people are drawn to you because you understand what's right. We live in, we live in a country now. It wasn't this way even 50 years ago, but we live in a country today where nothing's right. You can dream up and make up what's right, whatever feels right to you. One morning when you get out of bed, if it feels right, then it's right. If it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. And, and you can use all kinds of excuses for why something didn't happen a right way for you, and you can get out of the consequences of not doing what's right. Like the little story in The Policeman. Well, Judge, you know, I was born in this, this city, and you know, we, we, didn't really, we weren't really around a lot of people, and I never saw a car till I was 19, and, you know, I, I didn't really realize that he wasn't waving at me, and, and I got distracted by the fact that he was waving at me, and I just plowed him over. I mean, you know, and, I mean, we live in a society where you can have a lawyer that will work on your case to try to get around what's right so that you can be justified. And you know what? People don't gravitate towards that. We've been talking for the last two or three years, actually three years, in, in so many ways, we've been talking about the great commandment and the great commission around here. And we've talked in this last year, in the last few months, about the highways and the byways and about connecting with people out there. And the only way to really connect is when what's working in you causes people to be drawn to what's in you. They're not drawn to the example that I was just talking about. They're not, they're not drawn to people that make excuse for everything, that take no responsibility for their... People are not drawn to that. Because that's, that's, that's common among men, among people. That's common in the society and the world we live in right now. People are not drawn to that. They're drawn to somebody that takes a stand for what they believe is right. Even if they're wrong. You know, I mean, there are groups and organizations today that are growing in, by leaps and bounds that have nothing to do with God. You know why? Because the leaders of those groups believe that they're right. And they act like they're right. And their whole lives, you know, demonstrate this righteousness. And people are drawn to that. Well, how much more... Do you and I need to be right and understand righteousness so that people are drawn to the real stuff? Because you wouldn't be sitting in here tonight if you didn't believe that the God of this book right here, the God of the Bible, is the real stuff. He's the only one. There is no other. It's just Him. Or you wouldn't be sitting here tonight. Or, or maybe you're still balancing that out. I'm just telling you that I believe that. In a lot of situations, it's comforting when someone believes that and they're not belligerent about it. 
They don't have an attitude about it. They just believe it. I've seen in my 38 plus years of salvation, I've seen so many people born again as a result of what's right in me. I can't tell you the, I I don't know, I don't have a number. I, I, I mean, hundreds of people that have gotten born again and been drawn towards God because of what's right in me. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over. I'm seeing it in ways, in, in situations in the last few years of my life. There's been a lot of situations that I've dealt with or that my family and stuff have been through. And through all that, when it could, could have been situations that, that can bring you down, it's not only brought us up, but it's brought us over and more and more people are saved than I ever even, people that, I, that in my natural mind I wouldn't have even dreamed would have been hungry for the things of God. And it's because of righteousness. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not standing up here saying that that's happened in me because I stand behind this pulpit. I'm saying, I'm saying I believe that and I believe that most of you sitting in here believe that same thing. And it needs to grow in you. You need to understand the righteousness of God. Now, in saying all that, I'm going to read however many verses I can get to right now, but I'm going to read, I think, three passages. And I want to tie, I'm I'm teaching this series, I'm taking my time and teaching on righteousness because I think it's so vitally important. But, But I want to take these three passages at least and I want to tie them together Because, see, I can stand up here and tell you about needing to understand righteousness and living in that. And if it's not taught right, and and I've, I've taught righteousness wrong at times. There were times in the early years of my walk with God and when I was teaching that I had a certain understanding and it was an understanding I had to that point. But I'm telling you, the revelation I have of righteousness today has evolved. It's, it's gotten stronger and bigger and more real. And righteousness isn't a law and it's not a labor. It's something that is a result of what we think and what we say. It's a result of what you think and what you say. Listen to me. I know this is a fact. Most people are defeated every day in the first 10 minutes after their eyes are opened. Oh my gosh, I wish I could just sleep the rest of the day. Oh my God, i got to face this day. Oh my God, I got a dinner. Most people are defeated in the first 10 minutes based on two things thoughts that the enemy brings to their head, and then them not dealing with those thoughts with the Word of God. The, the person dealing with their thoughts based on what they, they're thinking, how they feel, and how things appear to be. First 10 minutes of the day is where most people are defeated. So we just have to change that. See? 
This righteousness thing is not something that you're going to labor to get a hold of. Oh, I've got to get it. I've got to do what's right. No, no, you don't even know what's right. You, you and I don't even really know what's right. It's all inside of us. And it takes the word we hear preached and then the Holy Spirit, because we give time to the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us, it, it takes Him to reveal it to us on the inside so that it becomes real to us. That when we, when we are learning righteousness and we're applying righteousness day to day, that the revelation of that righteousness becomes something that is, is what I know is already mine. It's not something, you're not going to become righteous when you do enough right things. Say this after me. I am the righteousness of God because of Christ Jesus. You're right with God already. So everything that you need to experience and to live and to emulate righteousness, to be that human magnet for people on planet earth, is already inside of you. It just has to be revealed. So let's just tie these three verses of Scripture, these three passages together. So the one we just read, God's way of doing and being right, okay? In Kerrville, Texas, when a policeman stands in the middle of the road with his hand up, the right thing is to stop, see? Because he has the authority to do that. Some guy with, you know, baggy jeans and a turned around cap and a you know and a t-shirt that says Leonard Skinner on the front you know and he stands out there with his you know hey stop me stop you know you know you you might go around the guy you understand but the dude with the uniform and the gun and the right cap and the badge says I have the right to do this see and he knows it so there's really no question and you very rarely ever see a cop mowed over by somebody you just don't because people understand it. And, and, and are, they, are they laboring? Oh, my gosh. Can I stop? Can I stop? They're not laboring. They just stop. You see a cop out there? Actually, you stop way back. You know, you want to make sure he doesn't, you know, see you with your seatbelt off or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, 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 you do those things because you, it, it's just a part of you. It's just right. You get to do right. You get to stop. And, and don't, don't you feel kind of good about yourself you're honoring it. there's something that's good about honoring something that's right see with God we just got to know what it is it's got to be revealed to us and the way we do that is deal with our thoughts and deal with what we say I'm going to show you this just three passages I'm going to tie together Romans 10 we read a little of this last week Romans 10 in verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but it's not, in according, it's, but it's not according to knowledge. And this is the knowledge he's talking about. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, watch, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Why? Because they don't understand it. 
they got a zeal for God, but they're not understanding the righteousness, so it's leaving them out in the dark, and they're trying to accomplish things that they don't need to accomplish. They need to be on the receiving end of it. There's a difference. Now watch. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everybody who believes that. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those, he'll have to live by those. But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Don't say in your heart who will descend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says this, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. The word is near you in your heart and in your mouth. Now, when would someone say, he said, don't say who's going to go up and bring Christ back down. Who's going to go down and bring him up? He said, don't say that. Now, where would, why would someone say something like that? We wouldn't necessarily use those words, but what is he saying? What is he really saying about going up and bringing him down or going down and bringing him up? What's he really saying here? What, what, what I'm getting from this, and there's uh, several things that you can get, but what I get from this is someone that doesn't understand what he's already accomplished. So, when would a person think they need to ask him to come back down? when they've made a mistake. How could God forgive me in this mistake that I've made? See, human beings, they, they categorize mistakes. Well, this is a doozy. This is an ugly one. This is a bad one. But this one's not so bad. Sin is sin. Cross the board. Now, consequences a lot of time are different, but sin is sin. What is sin? It's disobeying what God says is so. So the reason that someone would try to pull him back down or bring him back up is because they don't think that what he did was enough. See, how could that be enough if I've done this ugly thing? How could that be enough? I've got to pray more, I've got, to, I've got to get on my face, I've got to walk on needles, I've got to cut myself, I've got to do something because something's got to be done because of this ugly thing I've done. Well, the truth of the matter is, when we realize that we're right no matter what we've done, when it comes time to be forgiven, then the forgiveness that was already paid for is right there and it's available. And what it does is, what, what, what righteousness does in a moment like that, you know you're forgiven, and what it does is righteousness empowers you to not do it again. And where we get confused a lot of times is, okay, then I shouldn't do that ever again. That's not, that's not what it says. And I'll show you in this, in this next passage in a moment. What we have to realize is we're changing our thinking and our confession. And that's changing who we are. And you're not, your mind, your soul, your emotions are not going to change in one instance. You can make a determination, I'm changed. But if you make another mistake, if you do it again, 
What God wants is for you to get that much stronger to never do it again. Did you hear what I said? He wants you that much stronger to never do it again, but He wants you to know that you were forgiven before you made the mistake again. And again. And again. And again. And again. He wants you to know you were already forgiven. Yeah, but Pastor, that sounds like that our focus will stay on the fact that He'll forgive me again, so I'll just do it again. Righteousness doesn't work that way. See, that's where we underestimate the person of righteousness inside of us in the Holy Spirit. We underestimate Him and overestimate the fact that this whole righteousness thing is based on my actions. That I do enough good works and enough good deeds. No. It's based on what He's done. And the more that I apply that principle in every situation that is where, where, I, where I've made a choice not to do right, if I will receive forgiveness and receive the fact that I'm the righteousness of God, it's going to make me not want to do it. It's going to make me want to change. And I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what you've ever done, ever, ever. God already forgave you, and He's already delivered you, and He's already positioned you, and He's already made you righteous, and you are right, and that's the way He thinks. His kingdom and His righteousness is all wrapped up in what I just talked about right there. That's who He is. And when you seek after that, then all the other things in life will come to you because you won't walk around feeling like you're disqualified because of your mistakes. And you know where we battle with that most? First 10 minutes of the day. You know why? Because there's a devil out there that's in darkness. And we were asleep in darkness. And he messed with our heads and our minds in darkness. And when we wake up, we got stuff that we have to deal with. That's why the first things out of your mouth have to be the Word of God. Man. Mercy and grace, good morning. Thank you for this awesome day. I just had some really ugly thoughts, but I thank you. I'm forgiven in Jesus' name. I've been liberated and set free. I thank you for the power that you've given me, and I choose today to walk in what you have for me. I tell you what, something along that line right there can change your whole day. He said the word is what? It's nigh you in your heart and in your mouth. That if we confess Jesus and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we're saved. See, we've, we've used that passage, which we should. We've used that passage, we've called it the Romans Road, the church has. And that that is the passage for a person's spiritual salvation, and it is. You've got to believe and make confession with your mouth. Yeah, that's what causes a person to be born again. But that process of believing and confessing is something that we have to do every day because we have a mind, will, and emotions that has to be renewed constantly. Because if we don't, if we don't, then we live under the law of righteousness, trying to keep every single thing. And if I make any mistake, oh my God, God is going to zap me. Huh? 
He's going to zap us and take us out. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> if he was going to zap us and take us out, we'd be out. You and I wouldn't be looking at each other. Hmm? But for the grace of God, where would any of us be today? Amen? But for the grace and the forgiveness that God produced for us when Jesus made the choice to lay it down for all of mankind in that moment was your and my redemption. When he said, Lord, if you can figure some other way to do this, but not my will, yours be done. When he made that choice in the garden, it was over with. Our redemption was complete. It's kind of like conception in the womb of a woman. Once conception has happened in the womb of a woman, that child is complete. Bam. And yet, you can't even see the child, but it's complete. And then what happens? It begins to evolve and to grow and to mature and to develop. It's the same way with righteousness. That seed of righteousness, as it gets, as it's already there, if you're born again, that seed of righteousness is there. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And spiritually, there's nothing you'll ever do, ever, that will make the changes where that's concerned. But soulishly, we're becoming that righteousness as we believe it. And you can't, you can't put that on someone else to believe it for you. You, you can't put the responsibility on other people to believe that you're righteous. You have to believe it. We're becoming, 2 Corinthians 5.21, we're becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus as we believe. And I tell you what, the more you understand that, and the more you live free from the guilt and the shame that goes with mistakes, the more you live free from that, the more you'll walk in what's right. Yeah, we have to choose, and yeah, we have to choose to not use grace or mercy as a license to do wrong. Yeah, you have to choose. But you know what? Most people are already doing wrong anyway. So you don't need a license to do wrong. And you know what? On the, on, on the, on the tablets of every person's heart is written the laws of God, what's right and what's wrong. Without a license from grace, people are doing wrong anyway. I don't know about you, I want grace and righteousness working on my behalf. Where I choose to do, I choose to love, I choose to do what's right, even in the times of struggle. Man, when your soul, when you feel like you are, you're in a wrestling match with your mind over something, I choose righteousness. I choose, I choose Lord, I thank you. That Jesus, what, he, what happened at Calvary produced my deliverance, and I thank you for the empowerment right now to overcome this situation. I don't want to stay in this mess. I don't want to stay with these thoughts. I don't want to stay with this confession in my mouth. I don't want to stay being ugly and unlovable and unforgiving of other people's lives. I want to walk in this thing that you have produced and delivered me of. And we don't have to stay like that. He delivered us. The word is nigh you in your heart and in your mouth. The word of faith that is preached to you. As I'm preaching this tonight, this word, as it goes in, Holy Spirit reveals to you personally what you need to get from this word. And then as the word comes out, things happen. It's the way it works. 
Spirit and truth is what delivers us. The Spirit revealing truth that is preached and ministered to us as we embrace that, it liberates and it changes our life. That's why you have to continue to hear. It's not the faith that you heard preached 14 years ago. It's the faith that you're hearing preached right now. Amen? Right now. Um, Meeny, meeny, miny, nussy. Okay. Okay, I'm going to do this. I don't have much time. Um, John 16, and, and I want to I want to drive this point home, and you're going to remember this tonight. John 16 and verse 5. <clears throat> Jesus says this, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. I mean, here's, here's a world of people. I mean, the people, he's just talking to a number of people right there. But here's a planet of people that haven't seen miracles in 400 years. And everywhere this guy goes, people are healed and delivered and set free. And he's telling him, them, it's going to be to your advantage that I leave. And sorrow has filled their heart. Uh, yeah, I imagine, right? I mean, sorrow is... What do you mean you're leaving? Man, we need to do this thing. We can, we can make you president. We can make you Caesar. We can make you the one, the only, the dude. I mean, we can rise you up. We'll, we'll be your followers, and we'll do all this stuff and all these amazing things. And I mean, th- their minds are thinking. There's no telling what their minds are thinking. And he's telling them, look, it's going to benefit you that I leave. And this is why he said it would benefit them. If I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, in other words, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now watch this. I, I've, I've, I really misunderstood this passage of Scripture early on in my walk with God, and I, I want to just bring some explanation to this. And when he's come, he will convict Well, let me back up. Let me read verse 7 again. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And we know he did, and he did. Right? He left, and he sent us the Holy Ghost. Watch this. And when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, watch this. What will he do? condemn no he'll convict (laughs) so when the holy spirit comes he's going to bring conviction i don't know if you've ever looked up the two words conviction and condemnation but they're as different as night and day one will drive you into the ground and the one the other one will elevate you and exalt you and cause amazing things to happen if you pay attention to what true conviction is. So when 
I send you the Holy Spirit, he's going to convict the world. Notice, he didn't say he's going to convict you when you make a mistake. Now watch. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying, well, just follow with me. He said when he comes, he's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. And he's going to convict the world of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Who's he talking about? The world. The lost. Because they don't believe. Okay? Of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, we could read a lot and we could say a lot, but I want to tie this into righteousness right here. So the helper of the Holy Spirit that's come to live inside of you and I is doing that very thing. He is here to help you. And what he's here to do is to convict us daily of what has already been established. Listen. Conviction of sin is already set in motion. Conviction of righteousness is already set in motion. Conviction of judgment. People say, well, all the bad things, God's judging the country. He's judging the planet. He's going to destroy. No, he's already judged it. See, he's already judged it. If you'll, actually, I'm not going to say anything else tonight but what I'm fixing to say to you right here because i got to drive this home and I can't get too excited and, and, and talk too fast. But I want you to hear this. If we, if we can get this as human beings, then the planet's saved. And the whales and everything. If we can get this, the planet's saved. I'm telling you tonight, based on this passage of Scripture and many others that that confirm it, God has already judged sin. He's already judged righteousness. He's already judged judgment. He's already allowed the spirit of conviction to come and live in our hearts. So the Holy Spirit now, He comes and says, all right, to the sinner, to somebody that's not born again, the Spirit of God will come and draw that person and convict them of things. That's why we pray for people that are not born again. We don't condemn people. He didn't come to condemn. He came to convict. See? And that's already set in motion. So if I'm living in the righteousness of God and I'm a human magnet, then I've got things in me that are causing people that are sinners to be drawn to what? More sin? They're drawn to righteousness. And the reason that they're drawn to righteousness in me and in you is because the Holy Spirit, we've given the person of the Holy Spirit the right and the opportunity in our own personal lives, and you have to give him the right to convict you. And to convict you of sin, that's, he's already set that in motion. And if you'll allow him to convict you of sin, what will happen is, 
you, you, sin will leave. And he's already set in motion righteousness and what's right. His way of doing and being right, it's already set in motion. See? He's, he, he's all, he is the guy with the uniform and the badge and the authority. See, that's God. And it's already set up. And if you know what it is, and the Holy Spirit comes and says, you know what, you, you, you didn't do what was right right there. You know that's right. I don't know about you, one of the things that the Holy Spirit convicts me about is that when, if I'm doing something that's not totally right, I'm having even some attitude towards someone else that I shouldn't have attitude about. You know what he's constantly convicting me about? See, you're, you're stopping the process. See, see, that ugliness is not what people are going to be drawn to. And see, we underestimate the fact, we think that people don't notice our ugliness. Well, we can smile right here. And you can see somebody at church, how's it going? Everything's great. It's, it's all great. But people know when it's not. And see, people aren't drawn to that ugliness. See, they're not drawn to that. I'll, see, so when God's convicting me of certain things, today, after 38 plus years, what comes to me, one of the first things that comes to me is how that's going to affect my wife or my children or people around me. How my actions are going to do that. And what it does is it makes me want to do what's right. See, that's already set in motion. And judgment is already done. He's already judged the world. So when the world does crazy things and they do things against the Word of God, then what happens is they bump up against the judgment and it looks like God's judging them when He already judged them. And the more we understand this in the realm of righteousness, the more we can help people to overcome the things that they're frustrated and they're beat up with. I'm telling you, it starts in the first 10 minutes of the day. That's where people lose. And if you've been losing for years, if people out there have been losing for years because they no, have no revelation about renewing their mind, then every day it's getting worse and worse. Why do you think people want to commit suicide? Not because they're bad people. You know how high the suicide rate is in America right now? I mean, it's staggering. Why? Because they're listening to things that don't line up with this. And nobody's ever taught them about how to renew their mind and take control of their thoughts by their words. And the word is where? It's nigh you in your heart and your mouth. And listen to me. What you say every day and how you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of certain things, it's not just about you. There's a whole nother world that's connected to your world. A whole nother world. And me, I'm a human magnet. Everywhere I go, people are drawn to me. Why? Because of righteousness. Now, I end with this. What's, what is the problem with the way I said that? What is the problem that people have with the way I just said that? Uh -huh. And it sounds like I'm saying I am and you're not. Okay? And if that's what I'm saying, it won't work. Why? Because it's pride. 
See, but what, I, what I'm really saying that I don't really need to say, you know how sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm not saying that and that and that. Well, you know, you can wear yourself out with trying to explain why you shouldn't say this, that, and that. Right? But what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying that I know it all. I'm not saying that I don't need to understand righteousness in a greater way than I've ever understood it. And 10 years from now, I'll need to understand righteousness in a greater way. I'm saying that. I'm not saying the other. Well, I've learned a few scriptures. I've been saved for a long time, and I got it all. No. I'm an idiot if I think that. I promise you. Huh? And idiots get nothing. Hmm? Ecclesiastes and Proverbs will tell you all about idiots. They get absolutely nothing. Amen? But what I'm saying is, is that I believe I'm the righteousness of God and I'm becoming that every day in my soul. And it starts in the first 10 minutes of my day. This morning, real early, really early, I was sitting on the edge of my bed and my wife leaned over and said, Everything okay? Yep. Sitting on the edge of my bed telling myself who I am in God because I woke up with some not really good thoughts some emotional thoughts and thoughts that wanted to me to go to myself or something you know and feel for myself or whatever you know I mean it's crazy what you can wake up with but the devil's crazy amen and if you don't do something with it and you don't put words in your mouth, that craziness will direct your whole day on the righteousness of God in Christ. And I thank God for it. Amen? And people want it. And people want it in you. We can't be about ourselves. We've got to be dead to ourselves and alive to God. But, but, but that's, not a law. that's not a legalistic thing. I'm not saying you've got to be dead. Okay? You've got to choose to die. And then the more you practice and develop the righteousness of God, you'll choose to die. You just choose people. <sighs> Man. What time is it? Ooh, I'm, I'm now I've gone too long. So, we'll pick it up next week. I gotta say one more thing. Sorry, children. <clears throat> Just think about this. There is most of the people that I see coming in the kingdom of God through my life today, most of the people, I got a war through some stuff in my head. Because God's wanting people to come through me where I have to die. And the only way I can die to what I want in something is to know who I am. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter if they're trying to get the upper hand or take advantage of me or something like that, you know. And I've had a number of family situations where things tried to get stirred up in the last few months of my life. And God's saying, no, but, but what about their salvation? What about their life? They've got to see righteousness flowing through you. And sometimes those are the difficult, the most difficult. And you know what? 
the more I've grown in God and the more I've developed and matured in God, the, it seems like those are the salvation. I want those ones that happened years ago where I just tripped over it. You know, it was like I just tripped over salvations. I mean, you know, like it's, it seemed like they were all standing in line. Come, let me, let me pray for you. Now it's like these difficult ones. See, why? Because I know who I am. And God knows he can trust me. And he knows I'm going to lay my life down, not just for the person, but for God's sake, because he wants them saved.